Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Cool. So we're looking at Psalm 96, and as you heard uh, Jake read that, the whole um, song, uh, the whole psalm is just full of glory. It's full of uh, big words. It's full of words like splendor and majesty and greatness and holiness and mightiness uh, and righteousness. It's talking about a God who is beautiful, a God who saves, a God who cares, a God who loves, a God who um, can be described with words that we usually don't use. We usually don't even know how to use. We, we can't quite even picture what they mean. When we think of something that is glorious, we maybe think of a glorious sunset, or we think of uh, a glorious uh, vista, a look out across the fields, uh, a glorious view. But the glory of the Lord um, surpasses all of that, doesn't it? Uh, it? It goes greater. It goes farther. It's bigger. He created all of that as a reflection of him. And so uh, everything that somebody creates isn't as great as the one who created it, right? So he's made something majestic and magnificent. And if he made it, then he is so much more uh, majestic and magnificent. He is a good, powerful, amazing God. Uh, but there is a huge gap between that image of who he is and who we and who our society believes he is, right? There's a tremendous gap there for many, many people in our culture. Uh, he is irrelevant. He is unknown. He is maybe distant. He is maybe historical. But he's not a living image of glory and beauty and salvation and life and light and all of these things that we think are like high, beautiful, mountaintop, glorious, awesome images of God. Uh, we live as though he is much more distant, don't we? And, and he's much smaller. And so the question is, uh, what do we do about that gap? Um, in the scriptures, it says the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. And then it points to a future moment where one day the knowledge of the glory of God will fill the whole earth. And so we want his glory that is filling the earth because of who he is right now to be known in the world. How do we sort of bridge that gap? That's the question. And that's what the psalmist is sort of bringing us in Psalm 96. Uh, in verse three, it says this, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. So we're called to declare that glory. We're called to speak it out. We're called to uh, communicate about it. We're called to bridge that gap. And it's really clear from what the psalmist says and from what Jesus taught, even in the Great Commission, uh, you know, from Matthew 28, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all nations, um, that we are a part of his plan for that glory to be known. It's a strange thing. It's a weird thing. We're totally weird vessels for that because we're not glorious at all. We don't uh, represent him well a lot of the time. Uh, we cower in fear and we have warts and bumps and failings and, and all of that. So we don't necessarily feel like we represent his glory very well, but that's our vocation. That's what we're called to do, and that's what he's made us for. So how do we deal with those, that sort of disconnect between our vocation and, uh, and what we're actually 
able to do or what we're actually doing. So we go to the verbs in the text um, and we see uh, that we are called to sing about the glory of God. We are called to declare the glory of God. We are called to proclaim the glory of God. We're called to ascribe glory to him. We're called to say things about God to the world. If you look at this image, just the way it is, you sort of picture us up here with all of the goodness and glory and strength and beauty of God. And we're sort of standing up on the mountaintop with God. And we're sort of shouting that glory out uh, to the world. There's something a little bit uncomfortable with that image. If you're, if you're me, if you're, if you're honest with yourself. Uh, and one th thing, it's just the reality is, is that we actually aren't that connected with all of this. We don't necessarily do it. And, and if we talk about our society, if we talk about our culture, nobody actually wants us declaring anything to them. Like we, it, we live in a sort of a pluralistic, very permissive culture where if I go out into the world and say, Hey, everybody, this is what I believe about God and you should all believe it too. That's anathema to our culture to evangelize. It's anathema. It's like, don't do it to get away from me. You're not supposed to tell me what I'm supposed to believe. You're not supposed to tell me about your religion. That's yours. That's personal. You keep that to yourself, but don't push your religion on me, right? That's what we hear from our culture. So the idea of declaring the glory of God into a culture that doesn't want to hear it, uh, they believe the church is not compassionate. We believe we're unkind, all kinds of things in terms of the messaging about the church and what it is. Um, as that stuff is declared and we try to declare the glory of God over it, it just creates this massive confusion and polarization in the culture that makes uh, a tremendous mess. So there's something that doesn't feel right about us sort of standing on the mountaintop with God and shouting to everybody, Hey, come on up here with us. Cause we got it. We're great. We're awesome. It doesn't ring true. It just doesn't work. Right. Um, and, and so that's it. We live in this context where it's impossible to declare anything because of that, because we don't fit, because we don't work, because uh, we're not glorious and because our culture doesn't want us speaking that into them. But that's not actually what the text said. The text didn't say stand on the mountaintop and declare the glory of God out to the people who are away from you. It says this, it says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. And that totally changes the picture and it totally changes the way we use those verbs. Uh, we are called to ascribe, declare, say, sing, proclaim glory of God from around and among and with our culture and with our people. And so that's a tremendous challenge for us. And of course, the ultimate goal is that as uh, we declare the glory of God is that people would begin to take a journey that we're on, a journey of getting to know Jesus better, a journey of coming into relationship with God through what Jesus has done for us on the cross, uh, forgiven, made whole, set free, and bringing our friends with us. We, with messes of lives, just tracking through the salvation process and ultimately coming to a place of knowing better. That's obviously the goal uh, that we want. That's obviously what we want to be as a people. The reality is, though, that if we're honest, that's just not happening very much. It's just not happening in our culture. Um, we, at least in the Western world, and that certainly might be happening in South America in China in places in Africa and Asia, where you see the story of Jesus, his glory making a difference in the world. But in North America, the church is still in decline. We're still wrestling. We're still like, how do we do this in our culture? So if we're honest, it isn't happening as much as we'd like. In fact, it seems like the gulf between the glory of God and the world's knowledge of the glory of God is growing. People seem to know him less and be less interested in him, that faith and Christianity seems even more irrelevant uh, because of all kinds of different things going on. 
And so we have to ask ourselves why that is. What's really happening there? Why is there this disconnect between uh, God's glory and our ability to be among people and to declare it well? Uh, sometimes there's not enough to declare. If you think about your relationships, your friendships, your connections with people, uh, your friends at work, that whole deal, like there's something in you that doesn't know how to say it, that doesn't know how to declare it, that doesn't know how to communicate the Jesus story uh, with a sense of accuracy or authenticity or whatever it is that holds you back. Maybe you fear being... Um, you know, persecuted or you fear being rejected or whatever it is. So for whatever reason, we're just shy, we're ashamed, we're broken in some ways and we don't actually tell the story when we're in and among people a lot of the time, right? So that's one of the disconnections. Sometimes we're just not among people. Sometimes we as Christians are just so isolated and in our Christian bubble that we're not actually connecting with people. We're not declaring uh, the glory of God uh, because among the people, because we're just not among them, we're not near them, we're, we're hiding out. And sometimes we're too much among the culture so that we are just completely indistinct from our culture. We're indistinct from people. We're so camouflaged. We're so like our friends uh, who don't know Jesus that they can't tell that there's anything uh, glorious happening in our lives at all. We've become uh, corrupted or we're too absorbed in culture uh, to make a difference. Um, and so um, how do we do that? How do we change that? How do we make that all shift? Because that's the goal, right? If we look to Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, and this is the goal, like as Paul talking to that Philippian church, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish. So he's talking about holiness, differentness, distinctness, um, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. So you're holy and blameless among a crooked and wicked generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So among whom you're declaring the glory of God. So it's those three things that we need to have it balanced and lined up in our lives. The ability to be distinct, the ability uh, to be among and the ability uh, to shine and declare. And we really want to have those things working in our lives uh, for the gospel to go forward and to bridge that gap between the glory of God and this place where everybody thinks he's just irrelevant and, and not connected. So what's the deal? How, what keeps you, this is just maybe a devotional moment for you, um, what keeps you from declaring the glory of God? What keeps you from opening your mouth to say it? Uh, and that's a very interesting thing about all of these verbs, right? We are, of course, meant to display the glory of God. We're supposed to care the way Jesus cared. We're supposed to let people see the gospel active in our lives in sort of a passive way. If we act more like Jesus, the assumption is people will be attracted to him. But at some point, there has to be a declaration. There has to be the coming forth of language about the Jesus story. They have to know why. And all of those words in Psalm 96 are actual declare words. And we could do a whole word study on all five of those words. But it's like say in a relational way. It's proclaim. It's declare is more like a legal term, like declare a truth that is written down. Um, a scribe is to take truths around you or things around you and make sure people are connecting them with God. You're ascribing them. So we could unpack all of those verbs, but it all involves words. It all involves opening your mouth. So what keeps you? from opening your mouth. Maybe a moment to just reflect on that. What keeps you from distinctness? What keeps you from living in a way that's holy? What keeps you from living in a way that's different in your culture? And what keeps you from being among in a healthy way? What keeps you from being 
with people in a way that is intimate and is connected, yet at the same time retaining holiness and the beauty and the glory of God that's meant to be displayed in your life? Those are really big questions for us, and I'm not going to take, we could take a lot of time. In fact, our whole discipleship process is as we begin to look towards what discipleship means at OVV, uh, probably has something to do with figuring these questions out what really uh, changes those things in us. But I want to start with just one thought. Our problems with declaring, with distinctness, and among-ing probably indicate a problem with our believing in reality. They indicate a problem with we ourselves maybe don't actually believe or see or know or have experienced or have a fresh experience with the glory of God. Maybe we ourselves uh, don't remember what his salvation meant to us when we first uh, believed. Maybe the word marvelous works. The story of what he's done in history is too distant from us. We haven't read the stories of his works enough from the scriptures, and we've watched too much Netflix. Uh, Maybe we have uh, not seen him as higher, as greater, as fearful, the creator, splendor, majesty, holy. Maybe those words are just like worshipy song words that kind of just have bathed over us and washed over us and it's like in here at one ear and one out the other. Maybe we need to reconnect with an experience, with a knowledge, with an understanding of the beauty and glory of God. My belief is that if we actually knew who he was, if we really knew who he was, we couldn't help but declare his glory in the world. We couldn't help but be on the mission. We couldn't help but just respond in excitement and joy. So I think our problem is actually a devotional one. I think our problem is actually that we're not as connected to him as we ought to be. And that if we are connected to him, if we're abiding in him, if we're living in him, if we're experiencing him, then evangelism, declaration will all flow out of our lives in a natural way. Because we'll just want to tell everybody about him because he's touching us. The psalm answers some of this. And just to go back to Psalm 96, in terms of the question, what keeps you from declaring? Psalm uh, 96 verse 4 says this, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. In our beliefs... I think there's too big of a gap between what we believe about God, our God, and all of the other gods we play with, all of the other gods we serve, money, whatever it is. He's more glorious than we believe. He's more glorious than we know. He's more glorious than the other gods that we serve. And if we connected with that greatness, we would be able to declare what keeps you from being distinct. Again, these are all the words that say for all of the becauses in this psalm. Because, this is why the psalmist is declaring, because all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Because all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Again, it speaks to what we worship, right? What do you worship? What do I worship? What do I spend time surfing about on the internet, looking for, wanting, desiring, lusting after, liking, uh, 
appreciating, celebrating, when I could be celebrating the glory of God. All of those things that we seek after. Uh, and the Bible is clear, and this is so unpopular to say, but they are worthless idols. They don't have true eternal worth at all. They're worthless idols. But the heavens, eternity, God made all of that. God made all of that. So our eyes, our hearts have to turn to heaven. And when we pursue heaven, we become distinct. We become different. We pursue holiness. We become more like him. We're called to that. So what keeps us from amongness? Again, the word for, and this is the other because, the third because in the scripture that speaks to the issue of amongness. This is how he comes among. And again, this is not popular, but it's in the psalm and we have to grapple with it. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness. How did he come to judge the world? Jesus came to judge the world and to offer to the world to bring all judgment on himself. He came among self-sacrificially. He came among to pour out his life. He came among to bring judgment, to say, hey, this is what you have to deal with. You have to deal with your sin. And there are two ways in which it might be dealt with. This is not popular, but this is what it says. This is the book. There are two ways to deal with your sin. Either you own it and you walk with it into eternity and you endure the punishment of it, or you allow me to walk with it and carry it for you. And I'll carry it to the cross and I'll pay for you. But he came to do that from among. And so all of our fear, all of our amongness is a uh, fear of being among and being connected is from not actually wanting, I think, to make the same sacrifices Jesus made. To not wanting to lay down our comfort, not wanting to lay down our lives, not wanting to lay down uh, what makes us feel good for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of being near and distinct and different and declaring the glory of God among our friends. It's super challenging. It's a super challenging psalm. But, but as I studied it, as I began to dig into it, I just felt so convicted and so confronted uh, by my comforts, by my uh, own desire to protect myself, by my own desire to keep myself apart uh, and not have to deal with the mission sometimes. And here I am, a pastor in the middle of the mission, feeling called more than ever to be on mission, to be distinct, to be declaring, and to be among so the solution really, though, is for us to just kindle our faith, rekindle our faith, rekindle a sense of the glory of God, rekindle a sense of his majesty, rekindle a sense of how much he saved you from, that he is a God who saves, rekindle a sense of appreciation for him having taken your life from the pit and brought you into uh, his marvelous, glorious light. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.